questions you always had, the answers you were never given, the place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. Greetings to everyone around the world and a warm welcome to another edition of Veritas at VeritasRadio.com. I'm your host, Mel Fabregas, and I sincerely thank you for joining me once again. And if this is your first time or your truth journey brought you here, welcome home. As I tell you every week, if you want to listen to tonight's full interview and every single interview we have ever done, all you have to do is click on the subscribe button of our website and you'll get your login and access immediately. Stop waiting. Get the truth today. And don't forget to visit the Veritas store where we have pure organic sulfur, a bunch of other stuff, including USB drives with all our seasons, not only with Veritas, but also Sanitas. And if you want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, have feedback, or simply just want to contact me, I always love to hear from you. Click on the contact button of our website at VeritasRadio.com. There's an unexplained phenomenon that you probably experienced without knowing what it's called. And it's garnering more and more attention lately. The Mandela Effect is what the internet is calling those curious instances in which many of us are certain we remember something a particular way. But it turns out we are incorrect. These false memories have some people thinking their memory is failing. But some wonder if they've gone to a parallel universe or if time travelers have gone to the past and slightly affected our present, or if they're simply losing their minds. Whichever it is, what's most interesting about the Mandela Effect is that so many individuals share the same false memories. Here's a possible explanation. Humans are waking up to a new consciousness. When the collective consciousness of all of humanity tilts toward the new consciousness, the veil of the dark system will be and is being revealed. This is not good for those predators that treat us as feedstock. Everything for the last 2,000 years and longer has been a highly organized effort to put in place not only the current belief system, but the very mind being used to read these words. That mind is not you. All frequencies of all kinds, and everything is frequency, are controlled and utilized to keep you in the prison of your mind. Well, the cell door is open, and they are afraid you will walk through. The Mandela Effect is a program that is manipulating on the quantum level the fabric of this belief system's field of probability to cause enough confusion and doubt that they can delay the ascension long enough to put in a new belief system. The new system will require events that force sheep-like humans to adopt or starve. Those that adopt and all technology leads this direction will eventually be destroyed or become transhuman. Those that chose the natural way will survive. Humans have chosen to adhere to a belief system that does not allow them to process this information. Once the prison belief system is removed, you will again have access to the truth and know the things you will need to do to survive. What is the Mandela Effect? Is it a parallel universe, a simulated reality, CERN, memory inaccuracy, artificial intelligence, or all or none of the above? 
To answer this question, tonight's special guest is Roy Horn. Roy is a professional musician and for over 45 years, he has strived to expand his consciousness and personal freedom. He is the author of The Mandela Effect Ascension. His website is meascension.com and he joins us directly from the state of Arkansas. Hello, Roy, and welcome to Veritas. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. And Roy, this is one of those terms that has taken the alternative media by storm, I would say, probably for the past couple of years. But I've it wasn't until recently that I found out what the term was all about. A lot of people don't know why it's called the Mandela Effect. Let's start with that. Well, uh, in 2013, December of 2013, uh, Naz- uh, Nelson Mandela died. Um, and there was a lady by the name of uh, Fiona Broom, and she's the one that coined this term. And I don't remember if she was at a cocktail party or or exactly what it was, but uh, she mentioned that she remembered Mandela dying earlier, like in the 90s. And she found that among the group of people she was with, part of them had her memory, and part of them uh, uh, believed that the only time that Mandela had died was just right then, 2013. And by the way, I was one of those who thought he died in jail years ago, in the 80s, I think. Yes, I'm one of those. I had the 80s. and um, But you know what was what really strange was I remember him dying in the 80s in prison. But then in 2013, I do remember him dying. And I do not know why I didn't just say, no, wait a minute. But I just went right through it. I'm, I was just as asleep as everybody else, I guess. But anyway, she, this uh, Fiona Broom started this uh I guess a website or a conversation about this. And it led to all these other things in which, uh, there are all these peoples whose memories do not match the current timeline. And it was coined the Mandela effect because of it was started supposedly with Nelson Mandela's death. Now I read, I read a little bit about your bio, but why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and, what brought you to this topic and, and all other topics that you discuss in your book? <laughs> um, it, it, in, back in the early 70s, I'm 66 years old. And, uh, and when I was 21 years old, a friend of mine turned me on to or introduced me. You can tell by my language. I'm an, an old hippie or whatever. But introduced me to these people that were very adept with peyote. <clears throat> and uh, this is down near Austin, Texas. And um, for an 18-month period, uh, I was invited, I guess you would say, to to do a peyote the correct way. One of these guys' ancestors um, that I met goes back uh, on the mother's side. Uh, his mother, grandmother, great-grandmother, all, all on the mother's side, they can trace it, or supposedly, to the Nahuatls, which is a... Uh, a Mexican Indian tribe or Central American Indian uh, pre-Aztec. Uh, the Aztec language is actually based on the Nahuatl language. Yeah, Nahuatl, they're uh, southern Mexico, and I believe uh, some of Guatemala also. That That's correct. And uh, But they go way back. And this, this one person I'm talking about who introduced me to peyote, <clears throat> his grandmother had introduced him, and she— and she is from that lineage, and this 
tradition had gone way back. And so I never did it as a uh, uh, joy ride. And uh, there's a specific way to do it. And, and you know, I did it in their way. Uh, I did it three different times that way. Each each time was a 72-hour uh, ordeal, basically. And um, But anyway, I... I I got some uh, an insight. If you do peyote seventy two hours, you know straight, uh, this reality will you know it fades away pretty quick. And then the what happens next is just depends on I guess your energetic state. And I'm not real sure how it happens for everybody else, but I was shown I guess the mechanics, or I could see the mechanics of uh, reality, what was really going on. And although uh, I never uh, put a lot of that together until just recently, it stayed with me forever. And enough of it was with me that I figured out what freedom really was. And so I strived for that all my life. That's just uh, since that time uh, that I guess that's been my vocation. Everything else has just been to maybe feed my body or pay a bill. But uh, every minute of every day, just about my whole focus has been on um uh, transcendence, I guess you would say, uh, a raising of the consciousness um, to to a freer state. How do you compare, and I don't mean to bring this up right now because this probably has nothing to do with it, but indirectly does. You said that you were a hippie from the 60s. How do you compare the hippies from the 60s to the hippies that we see today? <laughs> well, that's the same thing as... Uh, the bikers I knew in the 60s compared to all the Harley Davidson wannabe bikers running up and down the road today. And maybe I shouldn't say that because I think there are a lot of people that, that really have a, uh, uh, are trying to put their heart in the right, right way. But I think the, the difference is, uh, there's a very, um, um, socialistic and really almost a communistic agenda behind any kind of a movement today and the movement back back then even though it was like you could have called it for some true communism because they moved in the little <laughs> communes. 25 yeah communes uh, but everybody knew that wasn't going to work but uh, back then the whole agenda was to to break all the agendas and then not have one yourself and i think what it did it just kind of uh, broke uh, a lot of people's minds out of the little box that they were in. I think it was good for everybody, the hippies, uh, the non-hippies, uh, e everybody benefited, and it was very painful uh, to watch it go through, struggle through what it went through because politics got so involved with it. Uh, but, but wasn't this as, as a result of the Vietnam War? It was a way that there was – what is it? What, do you, what was it called? There were – yeah, the flower. The flower revolution, basically to stop the war. And uh, basically the government gave away pretty much drugs so that all of you hippies would have been just separate from it. Just go and enjoy the drugs and let us fight the wars. Right. You're exactly right. I mean, that's – and, and the – uh, the young people that were figuring all of that out, they they knew that uh, uh, Vietnam was just a, a con just to keep the 
military industrial complex fed, but it was being fed with uh, young people's lives and it still is today. And it was, uh, it was a standing up against that more, more than anything. And Vietnam was the kicker. Vietnam was the whole deal. And, uh, it's what said it about. It's very strange that something like that was said about a peace movement. Uh, that didn't work, but, uh, Essentially, it was the CIA that wanted to turn social activists like you into, quote-unquote, flower children advocating peace and love, quote-unquote. Correct. <laughs> you see, you have the truth and then you have the CIA. And everything you see before your eyes all day long is the CIA. <laughs> it's the truth. So now let's go back to the Mandela effect because this is something that uh, I have noticed myself. I grew up in the 70s and 80s, and I remember, I remember brands, I remember names, I remember cartoons, and for the life of me, sometimes I think I'm going nuts, and then I realize that something's going on. Like, why don't we cite a few examples, and I bet you a lot of people who are listening to us are going to start scratching their heads. Why don't we pick one, for example, Oscar Mayer or Meyer? The hot dogs it used to be one way. Now it's something else. Why don't we start with this one? Well, it to me, it's always been M-E-Y-E-R. My baloney has a first name, O-S-C-A-R. My baloney has a second name, M-E-Y-E-R. I've been a musician, songwriter for 50 years, and I know lyrics. Not that I don't mess up uh, on stage. That's You just start saying watermelon, but... I know those lyrics to that song, and I had uh, a weenie dog. I had a dachshund who I just had to put down just recently for had that dachshund for 15 years, and that's how we spelled his name, M-E-Y-E-R. And uh, but now it's M-A-Y-E-R. Oscar Mayer. It's Oscar Mayer. If you and and what is bizarre about that is you go now. Wait a minute, you know. And, and the first thing people will say is that ah, uh, companies will change their logos. But they don't change the name of their company. But you can go, you can Google it or whatever, and you can look at the history of the company. You can put in M-E-Y-E-R, and it'll automatically correct you to M-A-Y-E-R, because that is the way it's always been spelled in this timeline. Now, here's an interesting thing. Growing up, I grew up in Puerto Rico, a, 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 a Spanish-speaking country, and all commercials were in Spanish. And I remember singing the song, Oscar Mayer. Meaning you're 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 announcing the E M E Y E R, and I remember the song vividly. And now you go to Wikipedia, you go to their the company's website, and that M E Y E R is nowhere to be found. So it's very puzzling. It is, and it's interesting that you would say that because of the speaking Spanish, and I never thought about it that way. But you would certainly, most certainly, recognize the change. Uh, for you especially, uh, it seems to me like if you uh, speak another language and then you're, you're spelling something in another language, it seems like you would absolutely remember it, which way it was. I would, have been, I would have been singing Oscar Mayer, and I was singing Oscar Mayer, M-E-Y-E-R. <laughs> Very odd. The first one that got me was J.C. Penny, P-E-N-N-Y, and uh, I all of a sudden, it was P-E-N-N-E-Y, and I, and that, I knew that one right. It's just not one, one right. I just remember pennies. I never remember J.C. Penny. 
J.C. Penney's. And uh, that was the very first one that I saw. And then I got dragged through the Oscar Mayer, Berenstain Bears, Ford logo. Oh, just, you know, it just goes on. There's, it's still going on. I, you, you, you reach a point where it's just like, oh, yeah, there's another one. But uh, it's, there's just too many to count. People keep finding them every day. Here's another one. I remember my wife used to love this HBO show, Sex and the City. But I remember it being Sex in the City. And now all of a sudden, DVDs and books and magazines, all you see is Sex and the City. Right. Right. I remember Sex in the City. I never watched the show, but I do remember it. And uh, I think they made a movie that entitled that also. I remember it as six as sex in the city also. And also for rock lovers, the band Queen, I remember We Are the Champions, the song. Who who hasn't been singing that song at a sports event? And I remember at the end of the song, We Are the Champions of the World. That last part is nowhere to be found at the end of the song now. And isn't that bizarre? I mean, I, <laughs> and that is so strange to me. And like uh, in the music realm, Peter Townsend, uh, the guitar player with the Who, and his name is spelled S H E N D now, Townsend. Uh, and that really, I, I, I couldn't believe that. People's names are changing, and not just lyrics, but uh, and and it's more than than one song. But I think that one is the bit, the largest one. And I think there's a uh, a parody on um, YouTube. When I say parody, I think we're we're being mocked. And um, I know it was Gwen Stefani and uh, George Clooney, and uh, but it, the guy that he has a late night show now. And I can't even remember his name, and he has a I think it's a karaoke taxi or something. But anyway, they're all singing this song, and they're all at that point. Wait, and then finally Clooney finally goes of the world, and they all sing it, and then they're all going, "Well, what happened? What happened to that?" And I really think they know, and uh, they just did that to mess with our brains. Another one. Give me another one. Uh, for example, I remember uh, what's the name? Fruit of not fruit of the loops. Uh, uh, the, the underwear. Fruit of the looms. Fruit of the loom. Yeah. Right. Loom. Yeah, for the loom had a what I remember about it, it had that cornucopia uh, uh, logo, which no longer has anymore. You might be thinking of Fruit Loops. Uh, no, no, no. I, I know either or, but the fruit, fruit of the Loom, the underwear, they, they spell it differently now. Oh no, they do not. Really? <laughs> How's it spelled now? I haven't even seen that one. Fruit of the Loom. Let me find it. I uh, wrote it in my notes here. Where is it? One second. Well, Fruit Loops is also another one. Fruit Loops is actually spelled Fruit Loops, O-O-T-O-O-P. Now, it used to be fruit, like uh, you spell fruit. But I guess the question is, are these companies, I mean, I understand. I used to be in marketing and advertising. Sometimes you change the the uh, the branding to appeal more to a new generation. Have they changed the branding, or is this something that we cannot confirm? Well, they haven't changed the branding. 
Uh, <laughs> and you just, you know, you really don't do that. Like, and I'll and I'll put one just right out. And it's a big company, and it is Ford. And the Ford logo has changed, and there's no way uh, Ford would actually do that. However, uh, I remember the cross part of the uh, capital F in Ford being a little banner-looking thing. Now it, it goes across like you're crossing the F, and on the end of that cross, on the inside end of it, uh, is a little uh, curly cue, like a pig's tail. And that has never been there. And so this is an iconic company uh, uh, Henry Ford, you know, industrialized, uh, the nation, um, basically. Well, you can go all the way back and they adopted that logo in 1912 and it has never changed since 1912. And that just doesn't fit in my reality. I've owned several Fords. My whole family has. And I'm very, very aware, very familiar with that logo. And there's no way a company would in midstream this long into it change. But even if you research it, it has never in this timeline been changed. I apologize. I meant Fruit of the Loops, but the Fruit of the Loom never had a cornucopia, as you said, in this reality. But again, as I mentioned, being in advertising and marketing, you have brand uh, progression or, or logo progression you know, as you get into the future, certain companies have used the same logo from the day they were founded. Uh, but, you know, I, I could never understand, first of all, why f an underwear company would put that logo with a bunch of fruits. What was the reason for that? I don't know either. <laughs> uh, you know, that's the that, that's a bounty, a bountiful harvest, a fall harvest. I don't know what that had to do with underwear. I mean, I don't know what Manhattan genius came up with that. Another one, I don't mean to bore people with this, but this is interesting, Monopoly. I remember playing Monopoly as a child, and I, I always thought that the man, uh, the rich Uncle Pennybags, I, I think he was J.P. Morgan. Come on now. You look at him, he looks at J.P. Morgan. He had a, a monocle, but now he doesn't have one. That right. I was made aware of that same thing also. Very odd. There was another one with a monocle, and I can't remember which one that is. There's two, but I, I don't remember the second one, but I do I do remember the one that you're talking about. Here's another one. The Berenstain Bears. Now they're the Berenstain Bears. And I wonder I wonder if they if they wanted to remove any kind of association with them being Jewish, and that's why they call the Berenstain Bears. What's your thought on that? Well, the, and I'm familiar with those books. I have uh, twin boys that just turned 30 years old, and we read to those boys every night growing up. And there's some of those books that we read to them before they were able to read themselves, and some of the books they read to us after they were able to read. And and I know how that spelling is, and and that was a big deal for a lot of people. For some reason, uh, in uh, – conversations on the internet this the Berenstain Bears got really um, a lot of attention and a lot of people because it would be very easy to mistake just one letter so I could see how a lot of people got into that just like with the Oscar Mayer um, and that's how people started uh, questioning other people's memories and and maybe you even question your own uh, but my memory of that is definitely not this timeline, the Berenstain Bears. 
you know, I'm a person who who likes facts, who who attributes a lot to Oakham's razor. Oh, you know, I don't really know. Oakham's razor. I'm an Oakham's razor type of person. And by the way, anybody who doesn't know Oakham's razor, it's a, it's a problem-solving principle. Uh, basically, it's the simplest explanation is usually the correct one. So for me, when I see these things, they call the Mandela effect. I think between Google, between Wikipedia, between all of them, they're all in cahoots. If they want to change a brand, all they have to do is just wipe out all the former imagery, all the, the verbiage that's out there, and just forget about it. It's, we're living in a digital world. That's why I'm very concerned that in the future we may not see paper books, and instead they're going to be digital even the future, we get a government regime that doesn't like certain books. All they have to do is just have them change the content. And we were not going to be able to read what was written before on paper. But the reason why I'm referring to this is because I'm looking at a VHS right here, physical. And it says clearly Berenstein Bears with an E. This is why I'm saying, Ogham's Razor, folks, there's going to be some proof out there that the names that we were thinking were actually true, and they changed them. Your take on that? Well, when you say they changed them, who are you meaning by they? Oh, they, they that's an unknown. It could be the, the company that's behind it, that owns the copyrights, but there are VHS tapes that sh clearly show... Bernstein with an E. And you probably, as you said, your twin boys, when, when they were younger, do you still have those books with the E? Uh, I do not have those books anymore. Believe me, I tore up a closet or two <laughs> looking, but I, I do not. Um, but I, I think that that's a, uh, a, a rational uh, line of thinking to take because anybody can, anybody that owns a company can change it at any time. But uh, normally, you don't change the name of a product um, to me. I mean, the, and, and the ones that existed in our my reality that never existed here it, it, it is one thing. I can say, okay, that had never been here. But the same product that's always been here but just spelled different, and the company's always been spelled different, to me is not uh, – and it, on such a wide – a scale, uh, worldwide, uh, all at the same time. No, I don't. I don't think it's uh, something that's done uh, on the marketing end. Yeah, I can see how the logo may be adjusted, but you're right. The name per se, why change the name? Unless, like Fruit of the Loops. You know, you're putting OOT because, you know, these kids, the kids these days, you take uh, Twitter as an example. I think Twitter is a way to dumb us down. You have X number of words that you can fit in in order to convey a message, and people are getting lazy. You know, I see some of these texts that people send me sometimes, and I think, you know, I, I cringe. You know, can you please type Y-O-U and stop with this little U and not using capital letters? I'm old school. And another one here, another example of the Mandela effect. Curious George. It never, he never had a tail. Now they have a tail. Right. Now here's what's odd. Now what do you remember? No, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I remember him having a tail. Because I used to have a Curious George uh, 
You know, I used to have one. Yeah, and, and I do too. I remember him having a tail. Now, in this reality, he doesn't have a tail. Correct, correct. Well, well, he didn't. Ha- he doesn't have a tail in this reality. And then, for uh, a week or so, he did again, and then it flopped back. Flintstones did the same thing. You know, F L I N T, Flintstones uh, became Flintstones. F L I N without the T. And it was that way for about a year, and it flipped back to Flint Stones for a couple of weeks, and I think it's back to Flint. Yep, Flint Stones. Yep. Yeah, the T's gone again now. I think it. That's one that keeps uh, changing back and forth. Uh, if you start watching, if you start watching, things are pretty weird. Most people aren't watching. I've watched uh, uh, New Zealand on on the same map, looking at the same map. I watched it change from a single island to two islands to three islands and back to two islands. Now, before you go there, let's stay with the Flintstones for a moment because that was a great cartoon. I used to watch it as a kid and very innocent, very family-oriented. And I've asked people, because you, you, know, you can see everything on YouTube. You can see a lot of old shows, a lot of cartoons, but you can never find the Flintstones. And I started investigating as to why we can never find the Flintstone. It's very difficult to find DVDs. I would like to, you know, kids these days are more, uh, they don't like these types of cartoons that were hand-drafted. They want, they computerize once. But I, I started asking questions to a couple of people in, in, uh, in Hollywood. I said, you know, why is it that we don't see the Flintstones that much? And even kids these days, you ask them if they know, I mean, they know who Bugs Bunny is, and they know who a lot of those characters, that Tom and Jerry... But Flintstones, you can never find them. And you won't believe what I heard. Do you know why they don't show the Flintstones that much anywhere? I haven't a clue. Because they consider it to be a conservative show. Because everything is by the book. It's pro-family. It's so innocent. And they don't want that idea of a family these days. Can you believe that? Oh, Fred Flintstone goes off to work at the rock quarry with his lunch pail while Wilma stays at home exactly. and cooks dinosaur. Wow, well, never considered that. That's right. Not shocked. Not shocked. Yep, especially for women. They don't want the uh, to attribute that the portrayal of women just staying at home, cleaning the dishes and all that. Um, so that's, that's what I've been told. Anyways, that's uh, another one. Well, I certainly would believe that there's an agenda behind everything, and uh, there's an agenda behind removing that from people's television options. Now, you were saying about New Zealand. You remember the map differently? Yeah. Well, you know, the uh, geography had changed, uh, started when I was really looking into the uh, all of these changes. People, I noticed people saying, have you seen how maps are changing and, of course, that's what we're seeing changes. I have no way of knowing if continents are actually moving or not, except there is some evidence about how long it takes to travel in certain places now. But um, but I, I watched uh, New Zealand finally settle into to two islands. Um, but I, even, I called one of my boys uh, one day and said, you, you just got to look. Uh, New Zealand is three islands, and it was for that day, but the next day it went back to two. Um, the whole geography thing is just bizarre. But I remember an Earth that had a uh, a uh, 
ice cap, a polar ice cap at the North Pole that was a land mass. And, uh, you know, you had to trek your way up there uh, with dogs and sleds. Um, but in this reality, it, the North Pole is a theoretical spot in the middle of the Arctic Ocean. And uh, they sell cruises with ice cutters to that point at certain times of the year. That that didn't fit in my reality. South America is about 1,500 miles too far east. It's very bizarre for me to look at a map and see that uh, Venezuela is farther east uh, than Haiti. Uh, I, I just can't compute it. Made the uh, Atlantic Ocean a lot smaller, but really increased the size of the Pacific Ocean. Well, I don't buy, because all these maps that we've seen, in the first, and I don't want to bring up the flat earth, I know you and I discussed this offline because we know the amount of attacks that we get, and I don't need any more of those right for now. But looking at maps, for the moment you go to school, the first thing you see once you enter the, the classroom, what is it? A globe. And then you start seeing these maps all the time. And I remember clearly seeing one year the size of the United States, another year is a different size. Another time, China is really huge, and another time, the Soviet Union was really huge. And I used to think in my mind, what's going on here? And all of them are projections, simply projections. The Mercator one, uh, the Hammer one, the Good one, Robinson, and the Peters one, which is the most recent that puts, uh, I think, I forgot which one is the most realistic one. But when you compare Africa to the United States, and the ones I was used to, the United States was almost a third the size of Africa. Now, the United States probably fits in one corner of Africa. And I've been told lately that anything that's below the equator, they want, they, the powers that want to be, want to portray it as smaller than anything that's in the Northern Hemisphere. Have you heard that too? No, I have not heard it put that way. I heard one person, and I had uh, never, I didn't have time to uh, verify it, but he was saying that the, the, the things that were off were off uh, 33 degrees, but, you know, I don't, I don't have any way to verify that. Australia's really shoved way up north, and it's not um, down under at all. Um, but I, I, and I, the, uh, all and I've seen this thing. I love maps. I can't get away from small maps. I don't care what they are. And uh, but I do know what you're talking about. How map they they're a representation. However, on a, on most globes and maps, the continents pretty well stay where they're at, and uh, large countries stay where they're at. It's hard to fake something like uh, North Korea and South Korea moving way up north of Japan, just off the northeast coast of Japan. And in my reality, those two countries were way down near Vietnam at the southern end of China. And uh, that's what the big 1950s uh, Korean War was all about. People were afraid that the Chinese were going to pour in from the north. And um, But now it's They've moved. Those countries are not where they, they used to be. They're not even close to where they used to be. So that's 
that that much of a, uh, uh, an era in a new map. See, I have no way of knowing where those countries are. Oh, now wait a minute. Now I've got it. I do have something. Uh, if you remember with the way I do from where uh, I came from, the 32nd parallel was the line between the North and South Korea. Yep. That's where they drew the, the military zone. Yeah. Well, if you look it up now, it's the 38th parallel, not the 32nd. And that shift right there isn't uh, a map mistake. There, that uh, that just occurred to me because I do because when it moved, I looked up the thirty second parallel because everybody, you know, or I know that as I, I like history. Well, it's changed, and so so that's the borders of country moving north. Uh, that's not on a map; it has to be drawn on a map now. But that's not a, a map mistake. Well, that's the strange part because you know the the, the continent that really bothered me the most was Africa. I was always wondered as a child because I used to be sent to a movie theater to watch a, a, a movie about care, C A R E, the institution that would bring money to the poor people and so on. And I used to think, why are they so many poor people there? But then I realized as I got older that that continent has so many, so many resources. So many minerals, so many precious metals, oil, you name it. It's one of the richest countries in the world when it comes to resources, yet they're the poorest continent in the world. Then why is that? I was looking at the maps. If you look at, at a map today, you're likely to see that North America is larger than Africa. Alaska is larger than Mexico, and China is smaller than Greenland. But in reality, China is four times bigger than Greenland, and Africa is three times bigger than North America and Mexico is larger than Alaska. So why are they portraying the sizes differently? That is the question I'd like to, to, to get an answer. We, that, the sizes, you know, I haven't, uh, I haven't investigated that. I haven't investigated why the sizes would have to change. Uh, Greenland got pretty large for me and uh, is owned by Denmark. That's right. Seven, yeah, not not where I came from, and um, but I I haven't I've looked at these shifts and then everything I I just quit even believing uh, the size of anything anymore. Trying to rationally fit together uh, that world in my head, how I used to know it uh, proportionately, has totally changed with everything's moving and the size. Now there may be something uh, to the size part of it. Uh, that they're trying to portray, um, but I haven't I haven't heard anybody speaking on that. But you know, here here lately, I've been trying not to listen. Um, I, I don't I haven't been listening to to anybody or or reading or I've, I've really been uh, trying to focus on uh, uh, processing all this without any kind of uh, external interference. So there's. You know, I pick up a little bit every day, of course, but I don't do any studying. But that's one thing I haven't looked into, the size, nature. What about Star Wars? For the the nerds out there that like Star Wars, Darth Vader doesn't say, Luke, I am your father. He actually says, no, I am your father. What do you remember? Well, I remember, Luke, I'm your father. And Same I here. 
Yep. And uh, I, I went to that 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 movie when it came out in 75. 77. 77. Oh, there yeah. was a bomb, bomb scare. I remember that in Dallas. We had to leave the theater. And I'll never forget that. But uh, And then it, as soon as I could, uh, I introduced all of that along with other things to my boys that I, I felt like have really – uh, to me, believe it or not, they're very entertaining, but there's some very, very deep messages in Lord of the Rings and and the Star Wars. But I, my boys uh, became Star Wars addicts, and uh, they know – they're now – they studied uh, acting and movie making, cinematography and sound skills, and so they – dissect uh, movies of all kinds and they know these movies and you know uh cp3o did not have a one of his legs was not silver, silver. yeah from. yeah that just blew my mind when i saw <laughs> uh, they seem like little odd changes that wouldn't make any sense so why even right so why pay attention it's that's what it seems like doesn't it now let be, before we continue dissecting dissecting more of these items that we consider different than what they used to be in the past. Do you get the feeling that we're living in a virtual reality, almost like a Truman show or, or a video game? What is this? If this is true and some things have changed and some people say that they go back to a, record store, they find an old album, and the album has whatever is new, not what they remember from before. <laughs> you want to know what I think's happening? Yes. I think I'm, yeah. Do um, you know, uh, and I'll make this, I, I will not do this in a long, because you can get really down a rabbit hole, but in quantum physics, uh, particles, uh, make up everything and uh we all know that atoms like let's just take an atom and it's 99 percent empty space what they say and subatomic below that atom or smaller than atoms are particles and what makes anything come together uh because particles are everywhere and nowhere drove einstein crazy one particle can be a uh, on the opposite ends of the universe at the same time. They are in all places and in no places at the same time because there is no such thing as time. And uh, what brings it together, and physics has proved this, is this very proven fact with the double slit theory, uh, is that it takes a observation uh, to bring these particles together to act in a way that the observer is almost dictating or wants in a way. Now, they, it, it's almost that way. But nothing happens without a conscious bringing these particles together. And what brings those particles together in this, they're just in this, what, the, what they call the Higgs field, but that field is actually just uh, infinite probability of source. And they're just, these particles are everywhere and nowhere. And, but there's that Higgs boson they, they think they identified and called the God's particle. Well, all of a sudden, when a conscious is brought to bear, the particles react the way they're supposed to, and the God particle holds them together. 
as long as there is a conscience to bring that to bear, to materialize it, to manifest it. So when you have a collective consciousness doing that, it makes this reality. And what we do, or we agree, we agree that concrete's hard and water's wet. It's an agreement, but it's all a belief system in in your mind. But what they have done is figured out how to manipulate on the subatomic and in the particle uh, level, in the quantum level, uh, how to manifest with uh, artificial intelligence being the self-aware conscious that brings it into bear. Um, and that's why there were glicks. And I think uh, a lot of what they did was to cover up the glicks. Instead of having little misspellings here and there, they just started changing a bunch of logos. Uh, now, I say that most of the time, or all the time, I, I'm trying to get better. I, when I I say something that I know, I know it for me to be a truth uh, as intuitive knowledge. But when I say something like that, when I say I think they're doing that, that's bad of me to do that. That's me speculating, and I, and I don't know. But um, I do know that it is... Uh, artificial intelligence uh, that they've created with uh, uh, self-awareness, uh, bringing uh, these particles together to do that. And that's what that the CERN D-Wave and all that was all about. D-Wave's not a computer. Uh, the D-Wave machines made up in British Columbia are just devices. Well, let's go step by step, because I was going to ask you if CERN, first of all, had something to do with it does it, and then you can explain what D-Wave computers are. Right. Well, it has everything to do with it. Um, this there, this is a specific time uh, in for humanity. And um, all ancient uh, seers and um, men of knowledge from old uh, have, who have known, who have, being able to perceive the world different than, than the way we do without a rational mind in the way and perceiving the truth as just energy have foretold of this time uh, when it is time for man to set aside one uh, consciousness, which is this consciousness, which is belongs to the world of karma and the world of animals, and move up to the next one, which is the true consciousness of human beings, fifth dimensional. So this split time, uh, in evolution of the man's uh, spiritual and uh, conscious levels, what's going to happen, and there are entities that are uh, trying to stop that um, because we are more or less there. These entities, are they just feed off of, uh, uh, they don't have emotions, so they feed off of ours. They feed off of energy that that is made by uh, emotions, strong emotions, uh, especially negative emotions. And so and those entities are the ones that have been with us since uh, day one. They were what the serpent represents in uh, uh, the Garden of Eden. Those uh, entities that have always been with us have created this mind you and I are communicating with right now in order to uh, have a hive 
uh, mind that they control the frequency that they can control the hive, the collective consciousness. And that's what they're doing on a, a huge scale now, everything, everything. And it started with CERN in the 50s. Um, and CERN's military project still is, but all of that, uh, everything's tied together and always have CERN uh, invented the Internet. And the whole thing about all of that, everything that has ever been digitally, there's a, that there's a digital footprint for, has been collected. But when you say CERN created the Internet, are, are you not referring to DARPA instead of CERN? No, no. It's actually a military project in the early 50s. And the same organization that we call CERN today is that organization. Um, I know what you're, you're, I know about DARPA and all that, but it is. Um, and it's, it's, it's easy to uh, verify that. You just have to go back into uh, Army uh, documentations from the 50s. And um, all of it was to tie everything together, um, the Internet and everything. But everything, like I said, has a digital footprint, uh, has been uh, filed, used, whatever, in one way or another in supercomputers. They are so far ahead of where we were. I mean, they've had these things for a long time. The entities on the other side has given mankind the technology in order to stop the ascension of of human beings, and that's what they're doing. And they're manipulating on the uh, subatomic, on the particle level, to to create a false timeline. And there are a lot of people who it has affected. Uh, uh, the ones I'm talking about, the ones who believe that this is their real timeline, they're the ones that has really been affected. When I think of CERN, and I, it's about what thirteen point two five billion dollars to, to the, the Large Hadron Collider, you know, basically to find the Higgs boson, that is what they w are willing to pay. With Europe in financial distress, the United States with twenty trillion dollars in, in debt. And uh, we're one of the people, one of the member countries, uh, it's Germany, France, and the UK, and then 17 member countries uh, contribute the, the rest of it, half of, of, of the rest. I find it interesting that that is the priority that we have, to find the Higgs boson. What is, say we find it, how, could, how do we make the money back? What is it that it's so important? <laughs> well, they weren't searching for it. Uh, they already knew about it. They're trying to access uh, the Higgs field, which is the field of probability, the uh, uh, where everything is. There, the, you know, theoretically, if uh, if you, there was nothing but you out in the middle of a desert and no other life, not even a plant, nothing but you and sand, uh, the only reality is what you see in front of you in your peripheral vision. All behind of behind you is just a flux. You say, no, it can't be. Well, you turn around. Well, now behind you is just a flux. It really is that way. There's nothing. There's nothing out there. there so there's nothing. Everything's uh, consciousness. Everything is. And so uh, to learn how to manipulate uh, on that level, they what they were doing with uh, all of that money, all of NASA, all of CERN, NASA, and there's more than one collider, but they're just having to isolate uh, 
a, a, a corner of uh, a theoretical universe that they can stick their needle into and jiggle. Basically, it's what that thing is. And so all of the colliding and all that, they they know what the God's particle is. I mean, they know how it, how it acts. Uh, nobody's going to be able to... Uh, single it out although they claim that they that they have um but the uh uh to to me it's just bizarre uh that there are people that are that are so intense or intent on uh you would think of destroying everything but these people are so intent they don't look at it that way they think that we're we're just garbage anyway and they're trying to create a technocracy that's a government that's ruled by technology and yep. people will we, be recent, we recently discussed this very topic yep right and people will will be transhuman uh they'll you you know and we we talk about artificial intelligence and stuff like that and you get in your mind uh, uh star wars robots and stuff this is so much farther than that because this is on the conscious level and They can manipulate on the conscious level. They can manipulate the hive um, and get it all stirred up with political correctness or bombings or uh, war. Well, let's go step by step because you're you're just bringing <laughs> you're you're shotgunning yeah. here, and I think yeah. it's important to discuss everything you're I, saying. I, I, Mel, I'm glad you do that because I will, man. I just go off <laughs> on these trails. No, no. Good. I love what you're saying. I just want to be able to spend more time individually in some of the things like, you know, the LHC, the Large Hadron Collider. You know, it's the, the most powerful particle accelerator built today. Then you also said the hive mind. I think that you hit the nail on the head right there. Ever since I remember computers, the personal computer, then we have the, the advent of the Internet. I believe it was 1994 when I was introduced to the Internet. And I know some people... We're using it in the 80s with uh, AOL and Prodigy and all that in a different way. But it became almost like an addiction. You wanted to be in the, you know, next to the computer. You wanted to chat with people. Uh, because in my case, I just wanted, I was so curious. I wanted to learn from people who were accessing from other countries. And then email came along. And then the moment you try to separate yourself, let's say you go on vacation. And our children these days are suffering from a new type of depression when their gadgets are taken away from them, whether it's World of Warcraft or their phone or their, their, their video games. This is a, I think it's now being diagnosed as some type of depression. So you can connect Big Pharma to this. You can connect the, the, the medical industry and the hive mind because the more information they can centrally display to you, And I can say that the mainstream media is just that. After 9-11, every single six o'clock news TV anchor repeats the same script. So yes, I think technology is creating this hive mind. And if there's people like probably you, I, and, and you know, our, 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 our listeners who are somewhat disconnected from that hive mind, we tend to be called the crazies because you know, we're not repeating the same script everybody else is. Oh, well, that's right. I've been called many things in my life, but, you know, most musicians are a little bit odd anyway, but that uh, it's more, it's everything. 
I, I just wish people could realize that <clears throat> there is nothing. If you can see um, the world the way that I am privileged to get to see it sometimes, I don't have control over the type of seeing that I'm talking about just yet, but I'm very uh, humbled and privileged to get these glimpses into uh, the true nature of what is uh, uh, in front of me and the now. And if you could uh, see that everything is frequency and everything is energy and everything, all frequency, all energy, all light carries information. And that's exactly how your brain works. Well, did Tesla say, if you want to learn the secrets of the, to the universe, think in terms of frequency and vibration? Uh, that he nailed it, and uh, by setting up a, and here's what they do: they set up a field of probability within your consciousness uh, by attacking it and assaulting it with everything electronic, and they have uh, for as long as this stuff's been around, and that's what it's for. Uh, they don't really care if you can communicate. They don't care. <laughs> how convenient it is for you to make a phone call. Uh, everything is um, adjusting and and uh, setting up this field of electromagnetic probability within your mind or your brain. And they can affect that field of probability in ways that uh, in the hive way, I think they can uh, with individuals. I, I really do. But in the hive way, they can affect that uh, field of probability to uh, for react in certain ways uh, that will get a, a reaction out of the, all of the hive. And then they can come in with a solution, which actually uh, is your downfall. And But they can do this, and that's all all of this stuff is. That's all. I mean, we're sitting here, we're using technology right now. It's a wonderful thing, absolutely. Uh, but it's that time for human beings to choose uh, their hearts or or technology, and their minds are, are polluted with these, um, uh, I, you know, the residue fields of all of this uh, vibration going on that, that uh, somehow hang around and uh, build. People do strange things that they would never, ever do, and the, who knows why. And, and I think that, just that the whole hive's being affected, and some people in different ways. Well, does that kind of make sense? It does make sense. And going back to what we were discussing before about the Mandela effect and, and the fact that they may be changing some of the things we used to be cognizant of. For example, I had somebody wrote to me years ago with a clip from an 80s movie, and he gave me the before and the after. Chemtrails. I'm sure you're familiar with chemtrails, right? Well, he sent me a, a clip of a movie, about you know, 15 seconds of a movie the way it used to be with the blue sky, and apparently they're digitally remastering these movies and they're adding things that we are aware of today. Because that's why they don't want VHS. They don't want tapes. They don't want physical books. They want everything digital so they can manipulate it. So the point of what I'm trying to convey here is they were, they're adding chemtrails 
to movies from the 80s, for example, or 1960s or 70s, and they're adding all these you know, streaks so that people, when they watch those movies now, they think, you know, the new generation, they think, oh, okay, they don't even think about it. That's just their, their new normal. That's just the way this guy is. But kids these days, they don't know what this guy used to be when you and I were growing up. No, isn't it in that that sad? And all of that, you know, a lot there's there's so much going on with that. I mean, there's so many uh, mechanisms at play with chemtrails. Uh, the, you know, I uh, I live out in the, in the woods, but I live on a ridge, and I got a pretty good little view of the the sky to the south and west. And every night, every night. Sun goes down. <clears throat> uh, there's chemtrails, and so there's a lot of people saying, "Well, they're they're hiding." Uh, I'm just looking out right now, and it's just now going down. Same thing. You don't get to see the sun going down anymore because the chemtrails create all this cloud. You can't, you won't get to see the sun from now on going down for quite a while, if ever again, because they don't want you to see what's fixing to round that sun coming at us. And uh, and then there's the Wait, 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 wait a second. Wait a second. (laughs) You're opening another door here. And we've heard a lot. This is a great segue for me to close this segment. I'll open the next one because when we come back, and I know this might not be part of your research, but I'll introduce it. Antarctica, we've heard a lot of very important people going from the highest religious, spiritual people of the world, country leaders going to, you know, converging to Antarctica. And some people are emailing me saying that something's coming. I personally don't buy it. When 2012 happened, I was not in fear. But I want to discuss this when we come back. Also, are these changes worldwide? Is this just a case of bad memory? Also, you're going to discuss Toltec knowledge and much more when we come back. First of all, how can people buy your book and give us the website too, Roy? Uh, the website, and you can buy the book there also, is M E like Mandela Effect, M E Ascension, A S C E N S I O N dot com. Great. Folks, don't go anywhere. This is Mel Fabregas. Delighted to be here with Roy Horn discussing the Mandela Effect and other topics. Don't go anywhere. Thanks for listening to part one of this very important Veritas interview. To listen to the rest, head on over to the member section or subscribe at VeritasRadio.com. You don't want to miss the rest. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for lots of great products. Thank you.